So good morning, everyone. Uh, wow, our first day of session. And for many of us, uh, the first in a few years. So it's so, so wonderful to settle into uh, our determination to practice together. It's, it's wonderful. Uh, and I guess all of us are going through that first day business of uh, finding uh, our quiet minds. Remembering ourselves as just this, just, just what's here now in each of us. It's a, such a gift to drop into that repose. You know, giving ourselves a true rest. A time to find ease and uh, renewal. So we'll have energy going forward. You know, I, I was very moved by our work leader, uh, Echo's remarks this morning about giving ourselves to each moment wholeheartedly. You know, it's, of course, we, we old, old Zen folks love that phrase, but hearing it uh, this morning, I kind of doubled my energy and my efforts to focus and pay attention. And I know some of you are attending online. So welcome to you. Uh, I hope you too find uh, quiet and calm during this unique time of year. It's truly powerful to allow us to drop that busyness of our minds and allow ourselves to simply rest abide in the quiet reality of our life, to stop and rest. In this retreat, you know, we don't really do anything. <laughs> uh, we can simply experience the moment-to-moment ease and openness in our hearts. We can remember how to be present and alive for each moment, each breath. Something we might have called boring. We could like just kind of explore that moment. What does that moment have to offer us? How might we be changed by paying attention? in our quiet meditation. So I, the academic in me is coming out and I wanna say that uh, here at the Village Zendo, uh, we follow two traditional Zen Buddhist uh, study periods. We have intensive study periods called angos, uh, which, is translated as peaceful dwellings. So if you could think of a year, and then there's a couple of times in the year 
couple of 90-day periods in which you, you vow to participate in a peaceful dwelling in your mind. So that's, that's what an ango is. And so we increase our meditation, our, our zazen, and, uh, and uh, vow to study our zen more intensively. And uh, each ango period, we select a study text, uh, something so that all of us are kind of looking at us the same general area and we can uh, have dialogue and dharma talks and and consider the teachings, ancient teachings that come down in Zen. Uh, so our ongo started last night. When you entered the Zendo and said your name, you kind of said, okay, I'm participating in this. I'm, I'm part of this. And that was the very beginning of our winter ongo, which will go until March 12th. Uh, so this year we're, until March 12th, we're going to be focusing on the teachings of uh, someone called Layman Pang. Why Layman Pang? First of all, stories about him are largely hilarious. <laughs> He's a very funny man. Uh, and at the same time, they're deeply meaningful, especially today. And another really important issue is that he was a lay practitioner. And, you know, it's really unfortunate that in most of the writings and stories and koans that we have, uh, they're mostly collected by monks, for monks, and it might give the impression that that's the only way to practice sin. But it isn't by a long shot, it never has been. It's just that the people who wrote about it <laughs> were monks and uh, they were living in monkish situations. And so that's kind of the impression that we get. We know better if we look at the history. Uh, probably one of the most powerful models of practice is, uh, of enlightenment practice, is Vimalakirti. Also, a great lay practitioner who consistently, I mean, one of the most wonderful chapters in the Vimalakirti Sutra is uh, when all of these great monks come forward and challenge Vimalakirti and he knocks them down, each one with his superior teaching. And it's very satisfying to read. It's very lovely. Uh, he patiently taught them the value and importance of the just daily life, just living an ordinary life. And then you could think of Dogen. Although he was a monk, in his great fascicle about practice, Gyoji, he wrote, don't sit and wait for enlightenment, for enlightenment is to be found in everyday activities, such as eating and drinking tea. I hope you heard that, what I just said quoting Dogen. 
I mean, it's really important as you come here to this retreat. I don't know what your expectation is. Don't sit and wait for enlightenment. Enlightenment is to be found in everyday activities, such as eating and drinking tea, walking Kenyan, maybe doing some of the work practice, maybe a walk after lunch. All of that is enlightenment activity. It's not just what's happening on your cushion. So the Lightman Pang wrote this about our daily affairs, our everyday activities. In daily affairs, without discrimination, I alone naturally harmonize, not grasping nor rejecting anywhere, not going with or going against. Who considers crimson and purple honorable? There's not a speck of dust in the mountains, spiritual powers and wondrous functioning in hauling water and carrying firewood. So what affects me so powerfully with this is, is this harmony, not grasping, not grasping, I want this enlightenment, I want to be peaceful, I want to be good, or rejecting. I don't want to do it this way. I don't want this life. But instead, naturally harmonizing with what is. Not going with or going against, he says. And then a little side remark about priests. Who considers crimson and purple honorable? Right. So he, he, he wore his raggedy clothes. Not a speck of dust in the mountains spiritual powers and wondrous functioning, hauling water and carrying firewood. So what would you say? Making coffee and riding the train? Turning on our computer and saying good morning? Any of a number of activities that we engage in Being fully alive to the moment is, in fact, the Dharma. I think many of us learned this uh, during these lockdowns. When we turned on our computers and found layman's unexpected spiritual powers coming out of this device we associated with our work or entertainment. We discovered we could meditate together and bring our practice into our daily lives, right in our homes, in our apartments, even in the park sometimes. So Pang, you know, lived in the 8th century. And he uh, studied and uh, debated and laughed uh, with uh, the great teachers, Shertu and Matsu, two of the greatest teachers of Zen. And a lot of the stories about Lin Pang 
include those two Zen masters. And I'm sure you'll hear about that during the week from the other speakers. It's said that when Layman Peng uh, first encountered the Zen teachings, he was so attracted to the simplicity of Zen. I mean, you know, granted in China at that time, there was, there was a lot of ornate uh, practices and he, he felt that, that Zen was so simple. So it, he said that he apparently had a very nice house. He was like upper middle class Chinese. Uh, and so next to his fancy house, he built a bamboo hut where he would go and study the teachings. <laughs> in a play, little simple place. Um, and he would write poetry there. And it, it, it recall for me my, my early days in Zen. Uh, I was also inspired to really simplify my life, simplify my surroundings, seeking a kind of visual quiet, a kind of contemplative aura. So you may have noticed that if you're new to Zen, the simple instructions, even our instructions on meditation are very simple. Sit quietly, have a position that, that you can hold for a period of time. Uh, be careful with your body and sit. Your really process will say, okay, well, if you want to, you can count your breath to 10 and then come back to one. But when you don't feel like you need to do that anymore, don't do it. <laughs> just sit. That's what Shikantaza means, just sit. But for Pong, for a few years after he practiced and studied the teachings, and he felt that uh, simplicity was the path for him. Severe simplicity. So he put all his things, all his possessions, all his fortunes in a boat, took it out to the river and sunk, sunk it. And then he was in absolute poverty, had nothing. Thereafter, he and his wife and his daughter uh, lived a simple life, selling baskets that they made out of bamboo on the riverside. So I'm telling you these anecdotes from his life because to me, it indicates two vital teachings for us all here. The spiritual path can teach us what is really important in our own lives. And it's not complicated. Nobody has to tell us, all we do is sit and become completely present to our lives. Whatever inherited ideals and notions that we got from our culture or from our families, of who we are and who we can be, of what is valuable and what is not, you know, just that begins to drop away with a deep practice. I know in my own life, just the simple practice of sitting meditation 
every day, studying a little bit of the teachings, being around other practitioners has transformed me and opened a way of life that feels alive and grounded in reality. So I'm gonna give you a little more flavor of Lehman Tang after sinking the boatload of his worldly goods. Uh, he went on retreat and studied with a, a Zen teacher, Master Shertu, and he received, he experienced an insight into uh, the reality of life itself, the simplicity of everyday life. And leaving Shertu, he went and he visited another Zen teacher, Matsu, where again, he had a very powerful understanding of the nature of mind. And also at that time, he met his Dharma brother, Tan Shi. And there are many, many stories about the two of them. Very funny. But what's important to me about that story, about those anecdotes about him, is the power of our Dharma friends. Vital to the path. I encourage you all to realize that and really appreciate your Dharma friends. Some you may not see, but once or twice a year. But there is something very special about our interrelationship, Sangha. There's something very special. We hold one another up. So in the time that I have left, uh, I want to share with you what's most uh, meaningful to me personally about Lehman Pong, what's most helpful. Simply, it's that he consistently tells us to be so careful of the words that we use when we speak or even think about our practice. How those very words that we, we summon in can lead us astray. Uh, lead us away from the very realization that we seek. From the very realization that we are experiencing in that moment and then we name it and it turns into a thing. <laughs> and it, it's not real anymore. We lose exactly what it is we yearn to describe, to capture. But to capture, you know, is to stop the flow, to photograph. There, it's there, life is going on. So, of course, it, that is a Zen truism, too, uh, how words are dangerous and uh, lead us to false paths and fixations. So how do we know that from reading the words <laughs> of the ancient masters and listening to the words of contemporary teachers? 
all quite ironic and recursive. It's very easy for me, because I like poetry so much, to fall in love with a line of words, even as they lead me away from the reality of the moment. So that's why I appreciate Layman Pang. He brings me back over and over again. Here's one story. One day, Pu Chi asked Layman Pang, in former days and in present times, there have been very few people who've been able to refrain from talking about it or talking about it. Right now, can you refrain from talking about it? The layman responded, Pucci repeated the question, and the layman said, I just told you. Pucci repeated the question again, and the layman said, I just told you. Pucci said, not only right now, but in former times, people said just as much. And the layman did a little dance and walked out the door. Pucci said, such craziness is of your own creation. But is there anyone who can get the point? A deep sigh, a little dance. What was the teaching? How often have you sought the answer to an impossible question? or didn't hear when the answer was given, or didn't hear when the answer was given. <sighs> A little dance. Or perhaps a look in the eye, a shrug, is all the information you need. If we're alive to the experience of the moment, and we're not looking for something that is written in stone. To be alive, not to the idea of the moment, not to the idea of session, not to the idea of meditation, but to be actually present. For example, some of you might say, I'm on a spiritual retreat, and why am I being asked to sew comforters for animals? That's not the Dharma. Really? A Zen master might say, meow. <laughs> and perhaps point to the vast interrelationship of all things. Why not make a warm embrace for a homeless dog or cat? 
meow. Ugh. And the same can be said for cleaning the bathrooms <laughs> or rehearsing service positions. What do they have to do with the teachings? What do they have to do with your enlightenment? That dialogue has been, going, has been going on for centuries in Zen monasteries, as well as in Jewish and Christian contexts. When a sincere seeker who's caught up in the idealistic words of a tradition and gets caught in the poetic beauty of language, the seeker can very often miss the point the point of each moment's reality, the point of presence to the interrelational reality of life and death. Why am I here? What is the meaning of my life? Is there any meaning at all? How would you answer? with a complex nest of words, or no words, a smile, a dance, a deep sigh, or sewing, or cleaning, or service positions. Is that all there is? And of course, it's not that all words are at fault, but rather habit words, obfuscation, hiding words, words that stop us from being present, from stopping us from being here, now, what I'm actually feeling now, not the descriptive cover. Pang warns us not to get lost in our theoretical language, to not separate from the Buddhist truths, but to look in our lives, in ourselves. He once said, looking for Buddhist truths is the kind of question that chokes the life out of people. What am I doing on time? to be going on and on. One more thing that he said. Um, one day he went to visit Puchi again, and Puchi saw him coming and closed the door uh, and says, I don't want to see old man know it all today. And uh, Pang said, uh, sitting alone and talking to yourself, are you? You won't offend anyone that way. Puchi started to open the door. But Pang grabbed it and opened it, saying, so who's the know-it-all now? Puchi said, setting aside the question of who's the know-it-all, as the door slides back and forth, how do you know whether it's open or closed? Pang said, that's the kind of question that chokes the life out of people. Puchi laughed 
And Pong said, you've been playing me for a fool all along. It's like a shaggy dog story, right? Uh, but it's talking about the sterility of the dry discussions that we can drag ourselves into. Our abstractions about emptiness or enlightenment or depression. All the kind of intellectualizations that take us away from the intimate reality of the moment. Your own intimate awareness of your life. This breath. So when we when we chant the Heart Sutra in the morning. Can we allow the words to simply enter our hearts? Hear the word emptiness and enter the heart of emptiness without falling into some discursive intellectual play about what is emptiness. It was Pang's great gift to remind us that the theoreticians and Zen scholars may know something but they tend to forget that the Dharma is right here. Right here, where you are now. All we have to do is inhabit it. And if we're not careful, all the sutras and wise teachings simply become an entertainment fixations that lead us astray, completely away from our practice, from what we want, from what we search for. So I find Lehman Peng's teachings a shock, a shock to my practice. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to do a dance next time I hear a question. particularly if I start to quote some old Zen aphorism. When I give too much attention to what I think is the meaning of a phrase, we can all do a dance and offer each other the simple encouragement of sitting together. And remember Pang's words, in daily affairs without discrimination, I alone naturally harmonize, not grasping or rejecting anywhere, not going with or going against. Let's give it a shot during the session. Here are my words to end this. Quiet winter days, hours of healing, hours of compassion, so refreshing.